0: is certain. On November 8th, votes will finally be counted. Join us for results, reaction, and analysis on the big night and the morning after.
1: Tomorrow night at 7 on MPB Think Radio. Good morning. It's 8.30. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, tomorrow, of course, is Election Day. We'll look ahead with political science professor Kenneth Townsend live in studio. Then a study of African-American voting patterns in Mississippi.
2: There was significant turnout for African-Americans in Mississippi for the 2012 election as well. But Barack Obama still lost by double digits. And what I'm saying, double digits, I'm talking uh, north of 10 percent.
1: Later, a visit from the experts of everyday tech on streaming services and a new federal grant to make more Mississippians aware of their health insurance options. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Tomorrow, Mississippians will join Americans across the country and go to the polls. The pres- this presidential election has been one of the most contentious in recent history. With us this morning to discuss the presidential election and the other races on the ballot in Mississippi is Millsaps College political science professor Kenneth Townsend. Good morning. Thanks for being here.
0: Good morning, Ken. It's good to be here.
1: You know, I think, well, I've heard that the most contentious presidential election was the one between Abraham Lincoln and others. Do you think this rivals that election?
0: Well, it seems to. I can't imagine anything being much more contentious. Now, of course, in the 1860s, we were leading up to the Civil War, and a nation truly was divided and went to war over um, what was at stake. So it, maybe it's not quite as serious, but I have to say it feels pretty serious and it feels pretty contentious.
1: How about unprecedented in terms of who the candidates are?
0: Yeah, I would say that it, it certainly seems that way to me, right? I, I, I've only been voting for, I don't know, if, few elections now. And uh, of course, as a political science professor, I'd like to think that I'm somewhat well read on on what's happened in the past. If not unprecedented, it's certainly unusual. Uh, The types of candidates and the level of discord that we've seen is truly unusual. In
1: terms of the presidential race in Mississippi, I think it's a foregone conclusion Pretty that much. Trump will take yeah, our six You know, months? if you
0: look at poll aggregators to get a sense of what their predictions are, because as we might talk about in a moment, polls are all over the place. So one of the things that I recommend is try to look at the, the major poll aggregator websites, and they take into account the way that different polls are done and try to make projections based on those polls. They vary from giving Clinton anything from a 1% chance to a 15% chance. So one of the polls now gives Clinton uh, – or one of the poll aggregators, rather, gives her a 15% chance. It's
1: been since 1980 um, right. that that the that state has voted Republican. So is this race, is there a potential that the colors may blend to purple or not?
0: Here in Mississippi, you yes. mean, I think it's actually going to be a relatively close race. Uh, I think that Trump will end up winning. But Obama only lost by 10 points in 2012. And so sometimes we think about Mississippi as being a blowout state. And not that 10 points is a close race, but there are a lot of states that, are, that have far, far wider margins of victory. So I think that it's probably going to be less than 10 percentage point difference, um, but I don't think it would be closer than five. So I think we're seeing a little bit of a trend in Mississippi. One of the things that is worth noting, Mississippi, we have about 40 percent of our state that's African-American which is the highest percentage of any state in the nation. And historically, African Americans have voted very heavily for the Democratic candidates.
1: Uh, Recently, Governor Bryant said that Mississippi was overlooked. Uh, because we only have six electoral votes and people in where there's larger populations are having more say. Can you explain quickly, (laughs) simply, the difference between electoral college and popular votes? And let me just say, every day or every other day, we're getting new polls about so-and-so is up three points, down three points. Is that significant in relationship to the electoral
0: college? Yeah, maybe I'll start with that specific question and work way back to your first question. The national vote is instructive in that it is unusual for a candidate to win the popular vote and lose the Electoral College. Typically, whoever wins the popular vote also wins the Electoral College. And whenever that doesn't happen, usually it's because of a very, very narrow gap. So in 2000, Al Gore barely won the popular vote and barely lost the Electoral College. So these polls that give national percentages are instructive, but not necessarily uh, as instructive as looking at individual state polls. So when you're looking at the poll aggregator websites, the ones that take into account most seriously state polls tend to be the ones that are a bit more reliable. So it could be the case, for example, that Clinton wins the popular vote by two or three percentage points which I think is almost, I don't want to say certain, but is exceptionally likely at this point, based on the number of national polls that we've had over the last few days. I would be very surprised, very, very surprised if she doesn't win the popular vote. But she could lose the Electoral College. So what is the Electoral College? each state in the nation has a number of electors awarded um, based on their population. So the, each state is awarded a number of electors that is based on their number of representatives plus their senators. There are two senators. So here in Mississippi, we have four uh, representatives and two senators, so we have six electoral votes. But as you noted, Mississippi has a dual disadvantage insofar as it is a rural state, so it's not that easy for candidates to come in and visit lots of people all at once. And it also has a disadvantage of, of not really having a lot of electoral votes to go along with it. And I guess it's maybe a triple disadvantage in that it doesn't have, well, at least the last few elections, it hasn't been a particularly close state, right? New Hampshire is also a fairly rural state. It only comes with four electoral votes, but candidates have been spending a lot of time in New Hampshire because it's a very close state. It's a swing state. Right.
1: Um, Is there a way to determine, because Democrats may not like Hillary Clinton, because Republicans may not like Donald Trump, does that mean they can't vote for that person they don't like so they'll stay home or will they come to the polls and vote down ticket?
0: I think that most are going to end up going to the polls and probably end up swallowing hard and voting for their party's candidate. If you look at the polling over the last um, two weeks or so. There's been a greater consolidation of party support. Uh, Even two weeks ago, you had a lot of Democrats, uh, although not as many at the time as Republicans, but you had a number of Democrats who were a little bit iffy on Clinton and then a decent number of Republicans who were iffy on Trump. And you still have some of the never-Trump crowd that are not going to vote for Trump. Uh, But the recent polls, even those from the last few days, have shown Gary Johnson losing significant support. I saw a North Carolina poll that just came out about an hour ago from The New York Times that shows Gary Johnson's support is down to about 2.5%. It it was closer to 8% a few weeks ago.
1: Let's move on to, uh, real quickly, the state race. What what is the most interesting race in Mississippi?
0: I think probably it's the Central Mississippi State Supreme Court race between um, Jim Kitchens and Kenny Griffiths. Kitchens is the incumbent. A well-established, uh, according to many, a, a pretty well-liked and well-respected figure. But Kenny Griffiths has, um, from the Court of Appeals, has made a strong run, has received significant um, resources, uh, or at least the, the campaign against Kitchens in support of Griffiths has received significant resources, including some from outside the state that have drawn a lot of attention to this race.
1: Um, any the other ones are are sort of um, in the books already. <laughs> well, yeah, not to take
0: anything for granted, but that's the one that I think probably has the, that, that is a, a fairly uncertain race and has drawn a lot of media attention. And I would encourage all of our listeners to go on to the Secretary of State's website and and look at the sample ballots for their areas and make sure they're aware of who all is going to be um, on the ballot in their area and that they, they know where to vote because yes, it you, is important to yes, vote. Yeah, she can find the ballot yeah. where to
1: vote and we're going to have Secretary of State Delbert Hoseman on with us tomorrow morning Mm -hmm. so political scientist Kenneth Townsend thank you so much for being with us up next a study of African-American voting patterns in Mississippi this is Mississippi edition on MPB Think Radio from the Capitol steps to your front door MPB news covers the state like no one else our team of award-winning journalists keeps you informed on the news affecting your life MPB news online at mpbonline.org and on MPB Think Radio for more than a year, the election has consumed the nation.
3: I am officially running. We're president of the United States. We're going to build the wall. Women's rights are human
0: okay. rights. And
3: we will make, make America. Stronger together the process is rigged. Trump's hate.
1: On November 8th, the votes will finally be counted. NPR will have live round-the-clock coverage. Join us for the results, reaction, and analysis on The Big Night. Tomorrow night at 7 on MPB Think Radio. As Mississippians head to the polls to vote tomorrow, they will be exercising a right and a privilege. The battle to participate freely in elections was hard fought for African-Americans in the state. Today, Marcus Coleman, a communication studies professor at the University of Southern Mississippi, studies the voting patterns of black Mississippians. He says the research shows while African-Americans turn out to vote in elections they feel strongly about, they're still outnumbered by an almost uniform white voter block in the state.
2: Typically, African-Americans, and I don't think this is any secret, uh, are pretty loyal to the to the Democratic Party and do indeed participate in specifically presidential elections. But what I also have seen is that African-American votes can be very influential in statewide elections as well, but primarily in the primary.
1: I want to go back to you said that that African-Americans vote in the presidential election. And I think there's a perception out there that that's not the case. Can you tell us what percentage of African-American voters go to the polls?
2: Polling in Mississippi is pretty difficult to kind of pull out of that. But what I'll say to you is this. There was historic African-American vote in Mississippi and other black belt states in 2008. But in Mississippi, Barack Obama still lost by double digits. There was significant turnout for African-Americans in Mississippi for the 2012 election as well. But Barack Obama still lost by double digits. And what I'm saying, double digits, I'm talking uh north of 10 percent. So it's not that African-Americans don't turn out to vote in a place like Mississippi or places like Georgia or North Carolina, South Carolina. Um, it's just the the question of. Who votes along with them? That's the question in a place like Mississippi.
1: But Mississippi has the largest uh, African-American population among all the states. Absolutely. It's surprising to me that uh, Obama would have lost by double digits. Does it mean also that not as many African-Americans are registered to vote?
2: So you mentioned that that African-Americans, that Mississippi has the largest percentage of African-Americans in the United States. Well, their percentage even though it's the largest one, it's only 35%. So African-Americans comprise approximately 35% of Mississippi's uh, vote age population, which means that it's still not a majority of the population overall. So you could maximize the African-American vote in Mississippi, and the person would still lose by... Um, 25 or more um, percentage points. And so we've seen that happen uh, with uh, the 2011 gubernatorial race where you had Johnny Dupree on the ballot against now Governor Phil Bryant. Uh, Dupree, uh, or Mayor Dupree, he 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 got approximately 36, 37% of the vote. And the majority of that, if you look county by county, it's in the areas that have the they're what you call uh majority minority counties. So they're the majority of the people in that county that are above the age of eighteen, in other words, voting age, are African American. Those are the only counties that he won. So you could win all the black vote, but if there aren't other races, ethnicities willing to vote for the same candidate, that person has absolutely no chance of winning in this state.
1: Dr. Marcus Coleman is an assistant professor of communication studies at the University of Southern Mississippi. Dr. Coleman, thank you very much for being with us.
2: No problem at all. Thank you.
1: Up next, a visit from the experts of everyday tech on streaming services. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
4: Support for MPB comes from the Bologna Performing Arts Center at Delta State University, presenting the evening of contemporary American dance featuring the Parsons Dance Company of New York on November 10th. Details at BolognaPAC.com.
3: I'm Jeremy Hobson. All year, our election road trip has taken us around the country. In South Carolina, this young man wants Trump to bring back jobs and more. I was trying to see if Trump can put some bowling alley, a movie theater and all this together. And that way, kids got somewhere to go instead of just walking around the streets. We'll look back on some of the people we've met. That's next time on Here and Now. Today at
1: noon on MPB Think Radio.
5: This is Everyday Tech on Mississippi Edition. I'm Sharita Brent here with J.D. Spencer of Spencer Web Solutions. And today we're going to be talking about some streaming services. We'll talk a little bit about Chromecast, what it does, and how it works. Good morning, J.D. Thanks for joining us.
3: Hey, good morning. Thanks for having me, Sharita.
5: Lots of people are exploring different options when it comes to watching television and movies. Some people don't want cable. Some people want to access all their streaming services like Netflix and Hulu all in one. Is that pretty much what a Google Chromecast is designed to do?
3: Sure. Google Chromecast is a streaming media player device. And what that means is it takes content from the Internet and it displays it on your TV using your mobile device or your computer internet browser or whatever device that you have through the Chrome browser and also through the Chromecast app.
5: So you need the app. Do you need any other materials like an HDMI cord or what do you need to hook it up to the television?
3: Yeah, so, uh, so Chromecast works through um, an HDMI port on your TV. At a bare minimum, you are going to need a TV with an HDMI port on it, and you're going to need a plug-in because it does have a plug that connects and provides power to the the little stick.
5: Okay, so once we get the Chromecast up and working, um, what all can you do from it? Can you watch Netflix? If you have a Netflix subscription, can you watch it through the, the Chromecast?
3: Yes, you can. That's one of the advantages of Chromecast. Is not only the price, but the fact that it works differently than Roku or Apple TV or Amazon Fire, some of the other major streaming devices. All those players have on-screen interfaces that display channels and apps that can be played through them, and they all come with remotes and stuff to navigate through their interface. Whereas Chromecast, you find content you want to watch or listen to on your mobile device, you know, whether it be an Android device or an iOS device, or in your Chrome browser, and then you cast that to your TV through the player through your Wi-Fi signal. And so basically all you need to get up and going is going to be either a mobile device or a Chrome browser or an iOS device.
5: So you do have to have Wi-Fi for the Chromecast to work?
3: Yes, you do. It connects whatever device that you're on. It will act as a remote control for the Chromecast, and it does that through your Wi-Fi connection.
5: Now, for those individuals who have Apple devices, I'm a a new iPhone user. I have an iPod, I have an iPad, and now I have an iPhone. I've heard that an Apple TV is a really good alternative for a Chromecast. So do you think if you already have Apple devices that you should get the Apple TV?
3: Definitely for Apple devices, I would say yes, Apple TV is the best option for Apple devices always. Um, but, you know, this is true for a lot of things. Apple, their devices are always set up to work better with their their software offerings. And, and, and really, to be fair to Apple, that's true across all manufacturers in that a lot of Microsoft off- offerings don't work well with Google offerings and vice versa. Um, but I would say, yes, for Apple devices, Apple TV is going to be gonna work best with your Apple device and for Android devices I would say Chromecast is the best option because it is more integrated with uh, Android which is the operating system on on um, any type of like Samsung or Kindle Fire device that kind of stuff but the downside again of using Apple TV versus Chromecast is the pricing you know Chromecast is gonna cost you $35 whereas Apple TV is $100 so That's just something to consider. However, Apple TV is much simpler to use than Chromecast on certain things because of the complete integration, especially with Apple devices. And Apple is known for trying to create a user-friendly culture and integration with the devices in your home.
5: And be sure to tune in Wednesday morning at 10 for Everyday Tech, the show on MPB Think Radio. Thanks for listening.
3: I'm Jeremy Hobson. All year, our election road trip has taken us around the country. In South Carolina, this young man wants Trump to bring back jobs and more. I was trying to see if Trump can put some bowling alley, a movie theater and all this together. And that way, kids got somewhere to go instead of just walking around the streets. We'll look back on some of the people we've met. That's next time on Here and Now.
1: Today at noon on MPB Think Radio.
3: Podcasts of your favorite MPB Think Radio programs are available now. With any podcast app, you can search, subscribe, and never miss a second of MPB Think Radio.
1: This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. A new grant from the Federal Department of Health and Human Services is meant to educate more Mississippians about their rights under the Affordable Care Act, also known as the ACA. State Insurance Commissioner Mike Cheney says many in the state still aren't aware of how the ACA affects them. He tells MPB's Desiree Frazier making Mississippians aware of their options under the ACA is important to him.
4: We received a grant from the uh, HHS uh, and CMS, which is a Department of HHS out of Washington, D.C., for $1,152,710 to basically try to explain to the citizens of the state of Mississippi and to ensure that the Mississippi laws and regulations are complied to um, under the Affordable Care Act. To be certain, there's no discrimination that we have uh, coverage of preventive health services within the state and to try to help bring down the cost of health care coverage and to be certain that we have parity in mental health and substance abuse disorder benefits. And that's a very important one to me as commissioner. uh, From my um, 15 years in the legislature and my nine years as commissioner of insurance, I think mental health parity is something that we really need to concentrate on and to have benefits for within the state.
3: So for instance, for rates, what does that look like? What will this money go for in terms of insurance rates for the Affordable Care Act?
4: Well, what it will do for insurance rates, it will enable us to be certain that we do not have discriminatory practices on insurance rates, and uh, it enables us to to be certain that we're holding down the cost of health care coverage through the um, what we call the mental MLR, uh, which is the medical loss ratios that we have to comply to. It's 80% for small groups and 85% for large groups. So there's and- this pay for salaries or investigators? Uh, it, it actually pays for us to have all, all legal staff and actuaries, which we will bid out very shortly. The primary concern here is that we can immediately retain our legal folks that we need to retain. We've already got approval to do that, and that will probably be done Monday or Tuesday of the second week in November of 2016. And then we will bid out our actuarial people that we need to work with. Uh, we have some... Um, information technology work that we have to do. That's just basically uh, being certain that we're secure. We have cybersecurity, and we have to have programs. And we do that in-house so that we're very secure in what we do. And we will look at the clinical fields um, and hire consultants to assist us if we need them to re-examine current health insurance market reform enhancement processes. Uh, As an example, I spent two hours in Tupelo the first Tuesday in November, with a hospital group there uh, going over some of their coding problems that they have with some of the insurance suppliers in North Mississippi, it's uh, unusual to have that many people uh, sit down for two hours and that many executives to to look at problems that we have within the industry. And that gives us kind of a heads up of what we can do to protect consumers. My whole goal is to be certain that consumers of our state get a fair shake on health care premiums in the state. And to that end, Mississippi has the second lowest uh, rates for health insurance in the United in all the 50 states and six territories for the United States.
1: MPB's Desiree Frazier with State Insurance Commissioner Mike Cheney on a new federal grant to educate Mississippians about the Affordable Care Act. Coming up after Mississippi Edition, it's Deep South Dining. Now you're talking with Marshall Ramsey and Southern Remedy. And remember, if you want to catch the show outside the broadcast, just search for Mississippi Edition in your favorite podcasting app and listen whenever you like. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again tomorrow morning at 830 for the next Mississippi Edition, only on MPB Think Radio.
4: Support for MPB comes from Kyle Wynn & Associates, an estate planning and elder law firm hosting estate planning and nursing home asset protection planning seminars in Loosedale, Wiggins, Oxford, and the Gulf Coast during the month of November. Details at kyle-wynn.com.